Okay, welcome back to the latest United podcast and a podcast that myself and Larry have both been waiting a very long time for. Larry, we finally get to preview a final for Manchester United. Finally, it's not just semi-final previews and reviews. Um, finally made the big dance. Yeah, the big good dance. Uh, you like that one? Oh, well done. Thinking on your toes, ah. I like it. Yeah, thank you, thank you. So I'm telling you, so I got some feedback by someone who I will not name Tom, but they said to me, the last podcast, Larry, you sounded a bit repetitive. I'm like, yeah, well, mate, that's what a lack of sleep does to you. But I'm feeling energised today, Tom, because like you said, we are in the final. Uh, We've just come off a win, a much-needed win. So, yeah, I've got some energy for this one. Well, speaking about a lack of sleep, we'll discuss it in a few hours before the Wolves game, thinking, oh, God, it's a dead rubber game. Monday morning, 1 a.m. kickoff. I've got a 5 a.m. alarm for work. I'm thinking... Look, I might just buy the book, and I might actually just watch the mini match on the train to work. I don't think I can sort of put myself through this sort of tough morning, especially with the big week ahead we have on Thursday morning. Mm-hmm. But about 20 minutes before I go to bed, news started to filter through that Phil Jones was going to be playing, and then my excitement levels just went through the roof, and there was no chance of me not watching live. So I had to fight through, and um, yeah, I have had a lack of sleep, but um, it was all to do with the anticipation of seeing Phil Jones run out in the red shirt. Or the Please shirt. explain to me why that excited you. Surely there was a bit that that was intriguing to you. Like I, I didn't even know the guy was off crutches, and let, all of a sudden he's going to be starting in the centre of our defence. I mean, it's intriguing. That's it's hardly a motivation to stay up till one am watching a football match, though. Oh no, I thought so. Well, maybe another thing rumoured was um surfacing that one matter was going to captain the side, um, mm. on and that didn't happen. Obviously, I think Emmanuel Matic had the armband. But um, I think we'll just start on matter. This preview or the, this podcast, I think, will mainly be sort of a Europa League preview. But we will obviously touch on the Wolves match because I thought it was a good game for a sort of a dead rubber, and obviously important to get a win. But um, one matter was probably the player who stole a lot of the headlines because look, it's very likely that, and look, who knows, but very likely that it is his last appearance for United, um, unless he does come off the bench in the Europa League final. But if you're a betting man, you'd say that's probably his last Premier League appearance. And um, he, he will be a player who, look, I'll dedicate a podcast to him if that time comes. But definitely a player who would leave with all the sort of best, best wishes from the fans. And um, yeah, he really stole the show with that penalty and sort of a touching sort of celebration slash tribute to his mother who sort of sadly passed away a few months ago. So um, just your thoughts on that matter appearance and the sort of the fortunate winning goal. He obviously did step up in Bruno's absence for United's weekly penalty. Yeah, it was wonderful seeing um, El Maggio out there and scoring the penalty. And i got to say, I did feel an element of emotion come over me when he celebrated that goal because he, he, put, he put some vigour into that sky point, didn't he? he um, it meant a lot to him, one Mata. And um, yeah, it was, I thought he actually played quite well. You know what I'm really sick of, Tom? And and I think it's just an, a modern expression that people throw around. Like, you know, the, the old saying, you know, the manager's lost the dressing room. I feel like the other common one in football is uh, he's lost his legs. One Mata's never been a legs player. Um, and I think in this game, he showed what he has between the years. And um, look, if it is his last game for Manchester United, which look, in all likelihood, it probably is. Um, I think he's been a fantastic servant to the club. But in saying that, if he followed Solskjaer's press conference, he, he did mention that there is ongoing talks between himself and the club and there is an opportunity for him to say. And it, it is a fairly young squad. I'm telling you, I would not be surprised in the slightest if one Mutz is actually on for another season. Yeah, well, I think in his case, um, I think he has earned the right to, I think it'll definitely come down to his decision, what he wants to do. 
And um, you just say that in terms of the young players around him. It is why I value his place in the side and the squad so much because we'll get into the performances of Anthony Alanga and Ahmad Diallo who were very good on the day. But they're very good on the day because of the players around them and one matter was around them. If they had, look, let's say it was just Dan James next to them, they're not going to perform the same. But if you're coming for your debut, and I know, I know it wasn't Alanga or Diallo's debut, but pretty much their debut very early on in their career, could you imagine how much better you on how much more confident you will step onto that pitch knowing you have a World Cup winner, a Champions League winner, a player who's won the Euros on the field with you and playing in the position next to you, that is going to give you a lift and you're going to bounce off that. And look, I'm, they have to take full credit for their performances, but I think a lot of it stemmed from sort of one matter's sort of involvement in and around them because some of the football we played was very quick and you mentioned that argument about legs. The ball moves quick when one matter plays in the team and that's not because he runs quick with the ball, it's because he thinks quicker than anyone with the ball and that is why some of our football going forward was exciting because, look, going back to the initial point, it was a dead rubber game, but for a dead mm. rubber game with nothing to play for, I thought it was a very good game. Yeah, yeah, I have to agree. Um, I thought, uh, yeah, I did find the game quite entertaining, and I think it just shows. It's funny we're having this debate where, with a thirty-two-year-old, but since Juan Matas came in, he's barely been played in his most favoured position. Again, he shows today, Tom, when he's played centrally and you put pace around him, what he can do. So yeah, look, he he led by example today, and he put in a hell of a performance. Uh, you know, well, obviously, we'll, we'll get to three, two, ones, but I think his influence on the football match, and you know, when I talk about influence, it's not necessarily what that player does himself, but when you look at what he does to the players around him, I think that says more. Yeah, definitely. Well, you did mention three, two, ones there, and I do want to get into sort of the Europa League preview because we don't often get to preview a final, so we might as well get into that as quick as possible. So on the three, two, ones. I'll throw it to you. I thought the standout for me was Ahmad. I thought he was fantastic. And he played in a weird position. He was almost our striker. And he was up against sort of, sort of really big central defenders in that pitch, in sort of that area of the pitch. But he sort of found pockets and almost played. He played all over, all over the place, a little bit like a false nine and drifted out wide at times. But I yeah. thought he's a, he's a hell of a player. And it's, it's not just that you, you compare it to Anthony Alanga, who I'm sure we'll get into. Anthony, I... So exciting when he got the ball. Think, okay, he can go past him. He's sort of edgy, seat stuff. Ahmad Diallo is almost... He's on the verge of that. Like He has that potential thing. Oh, he could go past him here. But he's thinking, well, no, I'll make the right decision. And I think just the maturity of his decision-making is what sort of stands out, in my opinion. Stole the words out of my mouth, mate. Uh, yeah, 100% agree. He's, and what's crazy is, if you actually look at how much senior football Ahmad's played... It's it's very small. Like he, he's he's got, I believe he's got less than fifty senior appearances altogether, including um Atalanta. So, yeah, his decision making for a young footballer is phenomenal. Um, very composed. He's got the ability to beat a man. I think he still needs to fill out physically. I think that I mean that's clear for anyone to see. Um, but he is brilliant. Um, I've seen some commentary to say. He wasn't. He was solid. I thought he was. Yeah, easily the best player on the pitch. I thought he was really good. The ball he put through for Dan James, by the way. Like, look, I'm not going to get in a Dan James finish or like thereof. I think there's been enough said about it. But that ball he plays through, that's unreal composure and ability. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think definitely worthy of the three points. And look, I'm not throwing Dan James in for points, but you mentioned the ball and Dan James. How about that cross by Dan James on his left peg? 
Yeah, it was impressive. I thought it was Ryan Giggs out there, but bloody hell, he made up for it with the shot he shot wide. Eh? That was, that's a typical Dan James performance. He show, gives you an element where you're thinking, oh, I'm okay, got something about you. And then that, that finish was something else. Well, moving on to two points, I think we slightly mentioned Alanga there, who I thought did well, and obviously a cracking header. But yep. for two points for me, um, someone who usually gets sort of the headlines when, when he makes an appearance is Donny Vanderbeek. He maybe mm. gone a little bit under the radar in regards to one matter and the sort of the young debuts or the young young players who appeared. But I thought Donny Vanderbeek was he pretty much ran the show. In terms of okay, it was a back and forth game. We didn't sort of dominate the ninety minutes, but from United point of view and the way we played, I thought he was very good. Yeah, I think that's his best performance in a United shirt. Um, he, he he did he looked good. He it was the first Premier League match where. He's actually looked like he's feels settled as part of the team. And maybe that's a... Let me throw it back to you, Tom. Do you think when he sees the likes of a Paul Pogba, a Bruno Fernandes, both players who are brilliant on the eye, do you think that maybe plays on his mind, uh, Donny? Because he... I, I know you might not agree with me on this, and we have sort of mentioned it before. He, he reminds me of Carrick in a lot of ways. I know they're not like-for-like like 100%, but there are a lot of qualities about Van der Beek where I just think... You know what? If you played him in a six, he's he seems to me like he's got he's just got a lot of character about him in the sense he's composed, his passing range. Um, I just I could see him settling into a deep pivot position if given the opportunity. Well, definitely you can play. I saw highlights of the the Ajax game a few years, the Europa League final against Ajax, and it was a twenty minute highlight package. And he was picking the ball up in very deep areas, so he's definitely someone. He can pretty much play any role across that or inside that central area of the pitch. And um, he's definitely got the ability. And I think maybe the way Wolves play, Wolves sort of can sit off a little bit in midfield. They press, they don't press sort of too high on the midfield. It's either they press the back four or they sit off. So I think sometimes the midfield can get sort of a lot of possession, which we saw with Nemanja Matic and Van der Beek. But I think it's, it's not so much that... I, I do want to praise Donny Van der Beek because I do like the guy, but I just think it's... We almost just saw a difference compared to when Fred McTominay, because obviously Donny van Vake's a far better footballer. And I think mm. we just saw a good performance rather than... And I'm not going to say Fred and McTominay don't give good performances. They play the game in a different way. But we just saw a better footballing performance rather than what Fred and um, Scott McTominay give us. Yeah, that's that's a great way to put it. Um, I think Donny will kick on next season. I really do. I, I'm keen to see what United's midfield or makeup looks like. Um, and I guess we, we still don't know with Pogba and um, that'll come. But yeah, I thought this was a this was a positive performance in, in Donny's locker. And I think hopefully it's the catalyst for him to really push on next season. Yeah, no, definitely so too for Donny van der Beek. And one point will be an interesting one because as I said, it was a good performance and it's like a good result, a good good important three points. But um, tell me if sentiments get in the in the way, but I would be throwing one matters just, just oh, for sentiment, just for this. the goal. But um, it, it, look, at the end of that, it is a winning goal. And um, But is there anyone else I'm, I'm fully accepting of? If, the, you do, if there is another shout um, of someone more deserving, I'm definitely happy to. But I'd need you to nominate one because my nomination is the Spaniard. Yeah, I've got two notable shouts. I think Alanga was really good. Really good. Um, he, he had the good opportunity early in the match before his header. Um, and I think to Nzabi was actually quite good. I, yeah. he, there was a period, maybe, I want to say around the 75th minute, he did something like three clears off his off the line back to back to back. Um, and I dare say without to Nzabi's performance, 
I don't know. Maybe United will be in a more hairy predicament. Yeah, look, I'd probably lean towards two and Zabio. And look, Anthony Alanga was very good and obviously a very important goal, which goals win games. But um, yeah, if we conceded a few more goals, we wouldn't have won the game, and that comes down to two and Zabi. So, um, and I think, which we might as well get into it now, we'll skip over that and give two and Zabi the one point. Mm. And we'll start our Europa League preview now in terms of where to start. Obviously, we assume David De Gea is going to start at, um, in goals. So the next position up for grabs is that centre-back partnership. And I think the discussion starts around two and Zabi. Because look, at the moment, it looks like it's going to be a miracle if Harry Maguire is fit. Um, who knows what's going to happen there. But let's assume this podcast is going forward with Harry Maguire not being available. So Victor Lindelof is going to play in that area. And it comes down to Tuanzebi and Bay. And the way I saw it, it was a clear audition. I thought whoever is going to perform better in this Wolves game will get the nod for Solskjaer. And for me, as we just mentioned, Tuanzebi was... Not that Eric Bay was poor... But I thought Tuan Zabi stood out. I think it's clear as day Solskjaer's going for Tuan Zabi. And I, I make that point because in the last match, we saw Tuan Zabi uh, preferred over Bay. Um, and crucially, he played Tuan Zabi as the left centre back in the two. Um, when Lindelof and Bay have played together, Lindelof seems to shuffle over to that left central uh, central back position. Um, and I think with Tuan Zabi playing in that role, that that for me is a that Solskjaer saying I'm gonna go as like for like as possible. Of course, I think the qualities Tuanzebi brings to the game are different to Maguire. Tuanzebi's quicker, um, similar in terms of composure, and he was leading the line today. If you actually watch him off the ball, he's the one bringing his defenders forward. Um, you know to to avoid offside and whatnot. So, I think it's a no brainer, Tom. I think Tuanzebi will be starting um, at in Gdansk. You've said there, you've said sort of reasons why Solskjaer would opt for Tuanzebi. I completely agree with that. But what Solskjaer wants and what two hours before kickoff, what goes through Solskjaer's mind, do you think there could be a potential scenario where in Solskjaer's mind when the pressure is on on game day, he might sort of, not cave, I don't want to say cave in a bad way, but sort of succumb to pressure and go with the experience of Bay? Or can you see Solskjaer really sort of with his balls on the line and going for the young Tuanzebi? Oh, look, I think when you're talking about experience, and we've had this argument when we discussed Ashley Young when he was at the club. When we talk about experience, we're talking about composure on the pitch. Eric Bay is anything but composed. He is reckless, mate. He is rash. He, he is the last defender you want there in a final. And Lindelof is not the vocal type of defender. I just think Bay, if it was Maguire and Lindelof was injured, I'd be all for putting Bay there, right? But with Maguire out... I think the safe bet is Tuanzebi, despite his lack of experience. Man, Bay is batshit crazy. I would not be putting him in there in the final. He'd be giving away a penalty in the fifth minute. Yeah, well, look, look on to look, the other... Look, I've just said that he's not going to be available and let's sort of leave him out of the discussion. But there's no doubt there will be a story or two when he gets on the plane. Is Harry Maguire fit? He's not on crutches. I'm just saying the scenario because the name popped into my mind and Harry, the last Harry that sort of rings a bell in this situation is Harry Kane before the Champions League final a few years ago. He wasn't playing, he was injured and there was a big thing. Okay, he's going to be ready for the final, but will he be fit? And just say an unlikely situation, Harry Maguire can play. He says to the manager, yes, I can play, I'm ready. Is that a risk, one, you think the manager can take and should take? And just your just quick thoughts on if that did happen... How would you be leaning? Would, would it be a risk you take or would you go to and Zabin Lindelof? 
I'd go to Nzabi. If, if he's not fit, he's not worth carrying. And if you're going to reference that match, if you recall, Harry Kane was anonymous. You can't... When it comes to ligament injuries, you honestly just need to give them time. Yeah, you can inject it and you'll feel like you can run on it, but there's going to be that lack of confidence. There's going to be that hesitance in you when you need to go in for a last-ditch tackle. When we've got the Euros around the corner, Harry Maguire wants to play for England. He's going to be thinking about that. So... I would like to think he puts the club first um, in those situations, but you can't help but have that reservation in the back of your mind. And I think given the size and the magnitude of this match, yes, it's the Europa League, no one cares. But I think for this group of players, winning that trophy is so important. I wouldn't risk it. I really wouldn't. And I think you can get a result with two and Zabi and Lindelof in the heart of that defence. Yeah, you look at that and we sort of get so nervous before these big matches, especially for a final and we're starting to look at Villarreal players and we see highlights of their goals and we think, oh, geez, that player can cause problems. Geez, I don't like that striker. If he gets one-on-one with Lindelof, I'm not sure how that's going to go. And it's nerves start to build, and naturally. But then I do look at it and I think, you say, okay, we can win a game with two and Xavier and Lindelof, which I completely agree with. But what eases my nerves is a little bit that everything we're feeling towards the Villarreal players, they're looking at United and they're going, Bruno Fernandes, Paul Pogba, Marcus Rashford, Edison Cavani they must be absolutely nervous as hell. Like, so that is my one thing. As nervous as we are looking at sort of, sort of weak spots in our back four, mm. they have to deal with some of the best attackers in world football. So we'll all just go on to sort of skipping from Harry Maguire to the guy who will captain us on the, on the night in Bruno Fernandes. Obviously, he was arrested against Wolves, didn't play. And I don't know where to start on this topic with Bruno, but I think we do have to discuss him in, in almost in a little bit of depth before the final because... He's been the catalyst since he arrived. You could go back to the game before he arrived. It was that Burnley match at Old Trafford where I was here. Look, I've been Solskjaer's biggest biggest fan and I've hoped sort of the whole time when all this stick was sort of piled on top of him, I was there defending him. But after that Burnley game a couple of days before Bruno Fernandes arrived, I said sack Solskjaer and it wasn't I wanted him sacked because of the job he was doing. I just didn't like the reaction or I didn't like the treatment he was getting from fans. I just I thought it got too bad. I, I didn't want to see that continue. So I said, mm. look, just get rid of him before it gets too sort of too bad and sort of sort of untenable. But um he fought through it and the reason he fought through it, it really does come down to Bruno Fernandez and we're not in this final or this position as being second in the league and sort of with a positive outlook into the future without Bruno Fernandez. So just your thoughts going into the final on Bruno. Yeah, look, uh, I've been happy with his form. And I think we mentioned it, was it the last football game? Who did we verse? I'm having a mind blank. Fulham? Um, I thought Bruno, again, we we did mention, he's shown that maturity in his game with the captain's armband. Like, if you're thinking back maybe six months ago, um, you know, reckless at times, the way he'd just play balls and hope. But you just, you look at his return over the season, Tom. What is it, over 50 goal contributions? Um, I think it's something like 17 assists, 20, or 28 goals. It's ridiculous. He's a midfielder. Like well, It's, it's world-class statistics. I, I think, yeah, I, I'm not concerned with Bruno. I'm, I'm happy he was rested today. I think that's, that was really important. Um, he was, goals. Oh, yeah. He can do. Of course he can do. I mean... Well, I think this It's one possible, is, mate. Um, like, this bloke is so good. I, I don't think... And I'm just wondering, without the fans in there... Yeah, sorry, go for it. Yeah, no, just saying, in, in regards to Bruno here, I think we so often, we look at his goals and assists, we look at his leadership and, and everything he brings in regards to that. I think this one, 
we just have it's put all that to the side. We don't have to look for goals. We don't have to look for assists. We don't have to look for him shouting and screaming and pointing players in the direction. It's just about winning. We just need Bruno to do what he does, and that's get the job done. That's unfortunately people won't want to like it. That's dive in front of us, get a penalty, get a free kick, be in the referee's ear. This game is just about winning because this won't come down to performance. Who cares if we play scintillating football or if we park the bus and hit them on a break and score a 90th minute penalty? It doesn't matter how we win this game. It's simply about winning. And if there's, you're going to say there's one winner in our team, it's Bruno Fernandes. And he's, look, it's going to be a team game. But if Bruno's on, we win the final. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. But I do think Bruno needs to have a man-of-the-match like performance for us to get over the line. I think there's enough match winners in... Of course, there's enough match winners in United squad. But generally, if you look at all the runs where we've had a great you know, a great return in form, it's been because of the Portuguese. So I think, yeah, he's, he's going to need to be on it come Wednesday. Well, going on to his midfield partner. Well, if he plays in midfield or not, who knows? Um, time will tell. We'll get into sort of our predicted lineup. In a second, but Paul Pogba, almost a similar situation now, obviously sort of different characteristics. But we look at in terms of a big player needing a big occasion. Now, the last Europa League final, Paul Pogba stepped up, got the all-important first goal. But since then, he has, I don't know how to how to describe or how to word it, but he's definitely soured the relationship and he's hurt fans. Since that time, I remember going into that final, it was a real feel-good factor. He's back at the club, we thought Jose Mourinho was going to take us back to the glory days. And that was off the back of Paul Pogba in that Europa League final. Since then, it hasn't gone to plan. Now, Mm. the fans have stuck by Paul Pogba um, for the most part, um, I believe. Now, Paul Pogba is in a position now. Who knows what his future is going to be in a few weeks' time, um, if that's at United or elsewhere. But he needs, in terms of, I would say legacy at United, but in terms of his relationship with the fans and what we think of him and what we think of his time at United, if he is to leave... We need Bruno to step up, but I think almost more importantly, both individually and for the team, it might be Paul Pogba um, needs to be the main man on Thursday. Well, it would be quite the statement. Um, I'd love to see Paul Pogba really step up and, you know, and I think it would... I'm keen to see what happens with his future, Tom, but I think there would be an almost a romantic novel in this if Paul Pogba produces a man-of-the-match performance and then we see in the off-season he, he signs an extension. Like, how good would that feel as a United fan? You know what I mean? So, yeah, I think if, if Paul Pogba is on it, of course it's going to contribute to the result, much like we're saying, you know, Bruno needs... We expect Bruno to be that man-of-the-match. I mean, if you if you want to think back to um, as recently as December, Paul Pogba was dragging us in when we United were first and we dared a dream of 21. Um, Pogba was the catalyst for all of that. So he, he's capable of that performance. But I guess where he lines up will be crucial. But, you know, we'll get to our preview and our lineups and see where that all might unfold. Well, just on Pogba, and you can sort of squeeze Pogba into this category, and, and rightly so. But not quite, but I just want to go back all I was going to bring up in the 2-1's AB discussion. But I'm just thinking, we saw um, Hannibal and Chartiere and obviously Anthony Alanga play against um, Wolves in sort of good moments and all these stats come out of youth product in every squad since 1937. And 50% of United players have been made up of youth academy products um, in the club's history, which is sort of unmatched. Um, so obviously very proud for the club. And we're going into a European final. Okay, not a Champions League final. But we're going into a European final. And I just want to run these names off for you and think what could be. 
Now you add Pogba into that because he is a youth product. Um, now look, yeah, we could put um, Dean Henderson in it. Likely Dean Henderson doesn't play, but let's say Dean Henderson plays. You can go into this European final with Dean Henderson, Tuan Zabi, Scott McTominay, obviously Paul Pogba, Mason Greenwood, and Marcus Rashford in a European final to have that sort of sort of production line uh, representing the club. Um, many proud moments, but this would be one of the proudest moments for the clubs, I think. Yeah, of course. Um, and I gotta say, if I don't know about you, mate, but if you can think back to that twenty seventeen Europa League final. This one almost feels bigger, um, and I'm only saying that because I think it's just as much as you love Solskjaer, there, there is that element of we're, we're just behind him as fans because of, you know, there's that romantic element with Solskjaer obviously being the manager, but I think if he can get this win behind him, you know, we, we never, we still, and I don't know if you've noticed this, no one talks about him as an elite manager yet. We're still, when you talk about the top managers in the Premier League, it's still about Jurgen Klopp, Pep Guardiola, um, you know, even uh, Nuno at Wolves comes up, but no one talks about Solskjaer. I think if he can put this victory behind him, what, what it really means for him, as much as it means for this team, I think it just elevates his status to another level. And that's why I just, I think there's so much riding on this game and this hurdle to overcome that, you know, this whole finals voodoo, can Solskjaer do it, etc. It's going to be massive. And yeah, I, I think there's a lot riding on this game. And I don't want to think about the result if it goes another way. But what a win could mean for not just us as football fans, but, you know, let's think about the manager in this step too. It, it would be phenomenal. You say that and look, word for word, completely agree. However, let's say a scenario unfolds, which we don't want to talk about, which you just said. But if we don't get the result and it doesn't go our way, how do you view Solskjaer and sort of the future of Solskjaer at the club then? In my eyes, it doesn't change anything. Um, look, I think to call this a successful season, we need to win it. Um, but if we don't win the Europa League final, again, it is a cup game. Anything can happen. It doesn't change the fact for me that there has been progress. Um, you, you saw as recently as this morning, you, you're seeing the likes of Alenga playing. Like We're seeing youth players being brought into the side. We saw um, Mejbri brought on. We saw Fish come on. Like We're seeing these young players get opportunities that we didn't dream of. He, he believes in the United Way. There has been progress. If we don't get the result we want, let's keep our heads. Sure, we'll revel in the disappointment for 24 hours. But we're going, we're going places under this manager. I still believe in him. In saying that, Tom, win or draw, we have to, we have to damn it, win this game. Look, look, you're definitely right. Word for word, again, I agree. However, we sit here and say, okay, 90 minutes, anything can happen. We could play fantastic football and be robbed by a bounce of a ball or a refereeing decision or a VAR decision. Football's a funny old game. Anything can happen in the final and you can't judge it off 90 minutes. However, trophies are so important, especially in our case. This is United's sort of longest trophy drought for 30 years. Everyone keeps reminding it's been 30, or the longest trophy drought in 30 years. Um, when the last trophy, obviously, when was the last trophy? Was it the Ajax match? Um, feels like it. So um, It was, it yeah. Been, it has been a long time, and we sit here and say, okay, if Solskjaer doesn't win it, okay, there's progress, we can move forward. But will the club, look, I'm not going to say the club are going to sack him if we don't get the job done. But that pressure will pile on Solskjaer um, from all quarters. And we can sit here and say, OK, we can back him. Of course we will. But that pressure will pile. And we've seen what can happen when the pressure piles on with some of these players. Um, it doesn't always go, go to plan. So I'm just thinking what your thoughts of how the club um, react to a bad loss on, to a potential bad loss on Thursday. 
Yeah, I'm I'm not too worried to be honest. Um look, there is obviously room for concern when we're talking about, you know, can this team get over that hurdle? But in saying that, mate, I, I'm not too concerned. Um I think he is still gonna bring in winners and I think the way he spoke in the press conference fills me with a greater confidence. He did mention, you know, we need three or four more signings. Like he, he specifically dropped the number of players we need. Um, and that does fill me with a confidence. I'm just wondering, and look, the whole Glazers out movement, the protest is a separate argument. But I think with that pressure, there's come an acceptance from the owners to say, you know what, we might need to invest this summer just to keep the fans on board and to, I guess, put some trust back in the sponsors. If he gets those winners into this side, you put three starters in that eleven. I think that can lift the, the remaining players to another level. I'm not too concerned. Where the concern comes is if this group of players fa- fails and we don't invest and bring in more leaders, that's where the concern is because then it, it does become a mental hurdle. Well, you just said there, and look, I just spoke about a worst-case scenario and we lose and put the sort of ramifications if the result doesn't go our way. However, and it kind of concerns me that I am confident going into this match. I'm not sure why. I'm not sure if it is the Wolves match. If we continued our sort of non-winning streak against Wolves, I might maybe sort of going into the match quite nervy. But I am very confident. And look, our results in the Europa League this year, not so much the results, but sort of the jobs we've been able to do in terms of little 10-minute bursts, like bursts of goals here, bursts of goals there. You look at Sociedad, you look at Roma, etc., Am I stupid or am I... I can see a situation where we win this game 3 or 4 nil. I think if we score early and Villarreal have to come for us, I think we have the players and the mood around the camp at the moment to really go and smash them. I think United are capable of it. Um, I would love to see us blow them off the puck, but I think knowing Unai Emery, I think he will take a pragmatic approach and I imagine it's going to be... Oh, Tom, I hate to say it, mate, but I think we're in for a bit of a... It's going to be a dull affair to start with. I think they're going to look to sit deep and then try and get United on the counter. I think that's how they'll set up. Well, speaking of how they're going to set up, I think we'll finish the preview on the podcast on how we think we will line up. Now, the Solskjaer's team selection against Wolves probably does give us a very big hint that um, Fred McTominay will start. Um, Are you going with that opinion that Fred McTominay will be the midfield pair? I think so. Now, if that is the case, Paul Pogba is playing. Where is Paul Pogba playing? Because that is very much going to um, influence that front three. If McTominay and Fred play, let's say, well, I assume you're going to guess that Paul Pogba will be on the left. How is that shaping up on the right-hand side for us? I think Rashford will start. He'll start Rashford wide right, and I think it'll be Cavani up front. Bruno will be where Bruno is. Um, and I think, yeah, we've discussed the defence. Shaw, Wan-Bissaka. And I think De Gea will be fullback. Um, the fullback. Jeez, I've been watching too much rugby league. De Gea will be goalkeeper. I just... Look, if you're a betting man, I, I think you're spot on. I just have a feeling... I'm not sure why. Um, maybe it's what, it's what I want, but I'm not sure. I don't, I don't exactly know what I do want from this starting lineup. I just have a feeling... In terms of the way the last couple of games have gone, in terms of control and the way Villarreal might set up and sort of the way we'll need to sort of, sort of keep the ball in midfield and Fred McTominay sort of somewhat a little bit sloppy with the ball, I think there will be a desire from Solskjaer to get Paul Pogba in the midfield. And I just have a feeling he will go Pogba and McTominay, which will allow Rashford and Greenwood to both play. And um, 
I don't know where that feeling comes from, but am I nuts or can you see a situation where he does do that? I think you're nuts. Um, I'd support it, but I don't think it will happen. Like he, he has not done that. When was the last time Pogba and McTominay played together as a pivot? I can't even yeah. recall the last time it happened. Like I just to do that on your biggest game, I, I can't see it, mate. I'd support it one hundred percent. I think Rashford on the left is a thousand times a much better footballer than he is on the right, but I just can't see it, unfortunately. Yeah, look, it will be interesting, and I'm sure my opinion will change a couple of times. I'll probably be all aboard um, the McFred midfield um, in a few days when I sort of get close to the game, and um, then the next day I'll probably be calling for Nemanja Matic to play and Bruno and Pogba to partner him in midfield. So who knows? But um, is there anything else before we wrap up the pod? Anything else, Europa League final, you want to discuss? No, mate, come dressed, bring your liver, and um, yeah, let's get this party started. Let's have a let's have a dance in Gdansk and... Uh, yeah, let's hope that... Look, we, we're, we'll definitely do a podcast straight after following the game. Let's hope it's a positive one. Yeah, well, we are brave in the cold and brave in the early start. It is a 5 a.m. kickoff here in Sydney, and both Larry and I will be with the Man United Supporters Club of New South Wales here in Sydney at Scruffy Murphy's. Um, it's been really good. We're doing a sort of a members-only event at the pub. We're going to have a few special guests and door prizes, and um, there actually is a very good um, guest who we'll get into the next podcast we'll discuss who it who it is and why it was very special but um yeah very much looking forward to it look 5 a.m that means we're going to have to get there at 4 a.m which means that i don't know don't know what the temperature will be but i am i'm looking at the cupboard here and having a look at what scarves and what beanies i need to bring because um yeah i am going to have to layer up unfortunately i think we'll all be have to layer up but uh look mate if it's if it's a good happy win we'll be jumping the blood will be pumping and We'll be good to go. So um, just get the drinks ready. Uh, blood um, alcohol makes you warm. So I think we found our solution there. Let's rip in. I'm I'm ready for this one, mate. Nah, fingers crossed. Well, I will see you, Larry. Very bright and early. Um, well, maybe not bright, but definitely early on Thursday <laughs> morning. And um, yeah, we will definitely record a podcast. Some of our listeners will be down there. And just just pray, just pray. I've said it since Solskjaer arrived, and the tide started to turn against him in regards to the reaction. All I wanted was Solskjaer to win a trophy. If he gets sacked by Christmas next year and he's won a trophy, I don't mind. I just want that image and him to become a... Or write himself in United's history already. Well, he is already, but sort of furthermore by being the first player or first person to win a trophy as a player and as a manager, I think that would be very fitting. And um, look, he's won, a, he's won a European trophy for us on Sir Matt Busby's birthday. It's going to be Sir Matt Busby's birthday again on the 26th and um, it would be very fitting to see Solskjaer lift another trophy and sort of add to the collection. So um, hopefully everyone enjoyed that podcast and um, is feeling the nerves like us, but hopefully it turns into a very positive, very positive day um, for United fans around the world and especially us here in Sydney, brave in the cold. But um, make sure you subscribe on your podcast app and follow us on all the social medias. We very much appreciate it. And we'll be back, um, maybe not win, lose or draw, maybe just win. We'll be back on Thursday to discuss um, Europa League champions of the world, Larry. Fingers crossed, mate. See you then.